Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, you are not going to believe this. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear what it is. <laughs> I voluntarily went for a run the other day. Yes. Uh, yep, I just decided I'm going outside for a run. Wow. I mean, it was just, a romantic like, occasion. Just like that, out of the blue. I ha- and I don't do that. I don't. I mean, I don't just go for runs unless I. Usually, the way it works is I would I would decide that I'm going to do a race, and then I'd be like, okay. I got to got to start running for that, and then you know spend a year getting ready for it. But this time, I just went for a run. I just went and did it because I thought it would feel good. So what was it? Was it the beautiful blue skies or a nice breeze or anxious no. legs? What it was, was it? Was, it was. Uh, it was crushing stress and i said i gotta just go out and move and do something <laughs> that's so, good i'm sorry that it was under that those circumstances yeah. <laughs> but uh but i'm glad you turned to turn to the run and not the bottle or something like that yeah well i've been doing that too so i, I turned to the run and the bottle okay uh but no it was hopefully it, the run know, first and then the bottle yes it was that was the case the bottle's been the past Nine ten months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really controlled. Um, but anyway, you know it was good because I I always read about that stuff. Of course, that first stress reduction, and I always knew that it was kind of a good thing for me to do. That I just tended to be a little bit happier if I ran. I mean, Aaron would point that out to me sometimes. Hey, you need to go for a run. Uh, but I really really noticed it. So I I. I think I mentioned a few episodes ago that I, maybe last episode, that I have a coach who just sort of, you know, business type coach, but other sort of personal development things. And his name is Ravi Rahman, and uh, he's really good. But anyway, he he was telling me, he was helping me kind of put together some things. But stress had just been under um, from, from the whole, the book out of stock thing and just lots of other work. And I don't know, for some reason it has really stuck with me. And even as I've sort of moved past that like mentally like you know i don't really think about the book being out of stock day to day and it's coming back soon uh you know i just like mentally i don't really stress about that but i that stress is like still in my body i can just feel it i I toss and turn at night and i don't even know why i'm stressed and it's like i don't know it was that was a big thing so it it has stuck with me and i was like i just need to find a way to actually start shifting this again and get back to my old self so he said like you know you need to treat it like a prescription and say, you know, I'm going to run all the time and I'm going to do meditation and I'm going to do this and like have five or six things and just do them. Like do them like you, even when you don't feel like it, just do it because it's going to be good for stress. So, uh, what was, what was nice is that I really noticed the difference. I came home and that evening was like the first one in a couple weeks that felt like really normal and good and relaxed and I could just go to sleep normally and all that. Awesome. So have you run since? Yes, I ran, uh, I think I ran three, four times in a row, days in a row, and then just went to Florida. Actually, so another bit of trying to de-stress, came to Florida with my mom, thinking I'd come to the nice weather, but uh, we've had torrential downpours for, for three days now. <laughs> so, didn't get that, but uh, still, a little, little break has been good, and um, I have not run here, because I was going to run, but the, the downpours have kept me in. Yeah. But I'm feeling it. I want to do it. It. I. I just. I don't know. I found it addicting. How. How well it worked. That's great. That's great, man. I'm really. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> I am. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. And and you know, like I, I think it was very kind of for mental health reasons that I started running before my hundred miler. It's just like that was I wasn't really in any good space to start training for something. Didn't feel like it, but I started running because I just sort of knew it would be good for my brain. And uh, I got your mojo back. And you yeah, it built the base because it built that base up without like I guess when you're kind of running for that type of reason, like it's like there's very little pressure to start thinking about doing hard workouts or beating yourself up because you can't run like you used to, you know, because it just it's that that type of thing has always been hard for me. And I think a lot of people, when you get back to into the gym and you realize you can't lift nearly what you used to mm-hmm. uh, and similarly running, you realize you just don't have what you used to as far as endurance or speed. Um, so that actually has worked well because it's like you're not, you're not really focused on that if you're just going out for the de-stress sort of mental health aspect of it. And then you gradually build this base and you gradually get back there without uh, having thought about it yeah love it so good stuff yes it is it is a very good positive development in my life i think and thought you would be into I, that. yeah i am very much into it you know i have a recommendation of one other thing you should do all right and i got another one to tell you about oh oh good but go for it i, want, I hope it's the same thing Wouldn't that be cool i'm sure it's not <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh for mother's day i got katie a session in a sensory deprivation chamber have you heard about these done it is sort that, of is that rotation yeah yeah in the dark yeah where you put like the we've talked about this on the podcast before you and i have a couple times i think oh because I mean, didn't somebody want to be on the podcast someone wrote a book about this and they pitched us on it and we were like how can anyone have a book about floating in salt water <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that so, so we didn't do it but then you did it I don't remember yeah. that at all. Yeah, I, There's I, no I, part I think, of me that remembers that. I know I talked to Jeff Sanders about it, and I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast, but I, I could be wrong about that. Okay. Well, well so, okay. So did she do it? She did it, and she loved it, and, and now I'm going to do it, and and I'm just super stoked about it. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, I mean, it's not fun, but it's like strange, of course. Yeah, right. Right? Obviously, for obvious reasons. For, for those who don't know, you sit or you lie down in water that has tons of salt in it. Maybe quite literally tons of salt. Actually, <laughs> a ton. lots of salt. It might be. I don't know. Yeah. Lots of salt dissolved in it. So you float like a cork on top of it. And it's dark. And in theory, you can't hear anything. The place I did it, you'd hear a little bit of noise from some other stuff. Mm. But not much. And yeah, and so you, sense it, so you have no, no sensory input or very little. Yeah. Oh, and if you stay still in the water... The water warms to your body temperature, or it maybe cools to you. I don't know what it is, but they said told me you kind of exist then in this little bubble of water that is the same temperature as your body, and then you can't really feel that either. Right, and uh, and it's it's you're able to completely let go because you're floating. You're able to completely let go of all muscles, which ah, I that's have, good. I have learned since you can, you don't even do when you're laying down on a floor or a bed or anything. Like right, because you have to still support yourself. Uh huh. Never um, heard that. Makes sense. But in the water, when you're when you're floating, if you're not moving, you're completely able to let go of all of your muscles. Right. Interesting. And so, did she, being a a yogini, is that that right there, mm-hmm. Doug? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, did she did she do anything like meditation type things during it, or just basically just you know relax and. I think she, so she did like, uh, it was one session, but she did a couple intervals, I guess she, cause she was a little nervous about what it would be like. Mm. 
mm-hmm. in, the, in the darkness and you know just and naked you gotta be naked in there and naked yeah sure a little weird someone might come in is what i thought <laughs> um and she so she uh did like a couple rounds i guess and the first one was just trying to get used to it and then apparently she <laughs> she got lost in there because it was this one anyway was <laughs> like pitch black is did she do it at still point wellness yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah and um and she couldn't find the handle to to get out so that freaked her out for a little bit <laughs> so the second round she did some breathing exercises and i think the third one she just tried to let go completely and didn't do anything huh interesting mm-hmm. yeah but it, it's it she would like came back completely relaxed and uh i am really excited to to give it a shot yeah i for some reason don't have good memories of what i did in it uh that's probably a good thing yeah, it probably is. I know that I fell asleep actually in one of them. I think I did two ses- sessions, and I believe I fell asleep in one, mm-hmm. uh, which was surprising to me that you could fall asleep just floating there, but you certainly can. And they said that was fine. They said if you do that, then means your body needs it, and it'll be a good sleep, be a good good rejuvenating nap. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, I do. I remember I didn't really ever zone out. I just thought and thought and thought about things, and I like worked through some things and came to some really good insightful conclusions at least i thought so hmm. about i don't even remember what, what the issue was but i found it really interesting for that because there were no distractions you I mean, right. there's nothing to nothing to distract you whatsoever yeah. so yeah. anyway good good stuff um and you know it's funny doug i was just thinking as because as i was doing this i was coming up with ideas of what can i do to kind of really aggressively relax and i thought maybe something like that would be would be good so oh, Father's yeah. Day, shout out for anyone in the NMA audience. <laughs> Who wants to give you a Father's Day gift? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. So the, the other thing I did, which I don't really know, we may have mentioned it one time on the podcast as well, is uh, TRE. Have you heard of this? Trauma release exercises. No. Uh, you know what? It does sound really familiar. I think we talked about it yeah. in one episode. Or maybe I mentioned it in a blog post or something, and then I didn't didn't go into detail. But people, a lot of people emailed interested in, in it, and I just I don't know, I don't know enough about it, and I don't know if it's a real legitimate thing or not. Uh, so I, I'm reluctant to write anything about it. But um, I learned about it from that guy. I think his name is Charlie Hone or something. He wrote that book, Play It Away, that I told you about in yep. another episode. Uh-huh. Uh, he said this is like one of the things he does for anti anxiety. And so if you look it up on the internet on YouTube, on the YouTubes, you can see uh, people doing it. And it's it's basically you do this little series of exercises focusing mainly on your legs, your quads and calves. It takes about 15 minutes to do this series of things. You can do it at home. And you're just exhausting your legs. And then you're laying down on the floor on your back and putting your legs in like a position that sort of encourages them to start trembling. Hmm. And... The trembling is the result of exhaustion from, you know, you do the sit against the wall and all that kind of stuff that just makes your quads scream and then you then you lie down. Um, and then it just becomes this involuntary thing. And it's like the first time I did it, it, it just happened right away. And I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. It, it looks like I'm moving my legs, like, of course, purposely moving them and shaking them. But it's totally involuntary. And it just happens. And the theory is that if you apparently like if an animal is in a fight in the in the wild or go, undergoes any trauma in the wild they will often after that is over go find a safe spot and lie down and they'll just like shake for some amount of time i don't know if it's minutes or hours but they will shake and their muscles their muscles way of of 
somehow getting this experience out of their body. Interesting. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool in theory. Sounded interesting. It wasn't until I did it that I was like, there is something going on here. Like, it, like it, it is not just a fake thing. There is something happening with all these spasms. And what really made it was interesting is I did, haven't had this recently, but when I was into this two, three years ago, um, I would do it, and I sometimes would do it close to bedtime. And so I would do it, and then my, my legs, of course, would shake, but I could kind of say, well, all right, maybe I just... You know, I exhausted my legs, so like that. Maybe that's all it. Maybe there's no trauma being released. It's just that they're tired and shaking. Uh, but what happened is that the involuntary tremors, I guess you would call them, trembling, spread to like my arms when I was laying in bed. So then my arms started doing it, even though they didn't undergo any any workout, any stress. And then what scared me, and the reason I stopped doing it, is because I felt my heart like palpitating in mm. bed, and I was like, that's a little bit weird. It, I think that's what I think it was tremoring, you know, just like just like everything else. Um, so then I said, no more doing that at bedtime, because it seems just sort of scares me. Yeah. But so I, I guess I should put that caution out there. That has <laughs> yeah, to me. that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I haven't. I sort of figured, well, if I don't do it at bed at bedtime, uh-huh. I don't know. And as long as I don't feel my arms start going, then I'm not gonna just not not gonna push it any further further if that would start happening. So I guess, you know, if that is a concern to you, then you shouldn't do this. Uh, but anyway, read, read a book about it before you do it, of course, um, because that does sound like a very real issue. But the one I read, I think, was called Trauma Releasing Exercises. Uh, but it's also called Trauma Release Exercises. Hmm. So anyway, did did a session of that, shook on the ground for, whatever, 15, 20 minutes, and, uh, and I'm still stressed, but <laughs> maybe a little bit less. <laughs> I gotta say that one sounds a little weird, but it's interesting. I'm gonna look into it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a little weird. It's a little bit even that the anything that happens involuntarily is scary because uh-huh. like you, you like you're not, there's something else controlling you or something. Uh, so it is weird and it is a little bit freaky, sort of scary, maybe even dangerous. I don't know, but uh, also interesting for that. Just put it on the YouTube's and see what it looks like. Okay, I'll, I'll check it out. T R E. Katie's making a smoothie. Can you hear it? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, <Barely>. guys. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Proof that you live the you walk the walk the walk. Walk the walk. That's right. Uh, good. Okay. So, do we have anything else, Doug, to talk about before we tell the nice people what what we're doing this episode? I don't think so. I think that I you know I don't have too much too much to share right now. Okay. Maybe we will revisit this. Uh, topic as a as a how to how to relax and we'll have some ideas for relaxation. I'll tell you what has worked and what hasn't worked as I go through this. Little... I would like that. That's a, that's a good one to to revisit. Yeah. I think because you know we all have varying levels of stress, but there are always going to be you know no matter even if you're like a stress free free person, there are times when life just gets a little crazy. Yeah, that is what you know. I have always considered myself a very very low stress laid back person. And I am. I don't. I don't get. Uh, I don't get angry very often or anything like that. But th- this this episode, this thing has uh, has left a mark, and uh, it's something I'm fighting. But hmm. first world problems, right? Good problem to have. Everyone tells me about the book. Yeah. You know. I, you know. I'm just. Now, I'm just now realizing. I don't this. want to punch. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You don't want to. I mention. said. I, I said. I love when people say that. I don't at all feel like punching them when they tell me that this is a good problem to have. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've probably told you that a couple of times. You'd have. Everyone has. Every single person I tell that to. Yeah. That's a good reminder. 
It's hard to know what to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so you say, yeah, good problem to have. (laughs) 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 All right, what were you saying? All right, well, you know, I so the past week has been pretty stressful for me. I've been, like, laying in bed at night worrying about stuff and thinking through things and unable to let things go in a way that I that very rarely happens to me. I'm a really good sleeper. Mm-hmm. Don't have that problem, and I'm and I'm realizing right now that it's probably or it could have, it could be in part because I am not really running since you rock. Ah, interesting. I have gone back to a little bit of runs, but they've been with the stroller, not in the woods, and they have been no more than like three miles. Right. Wow. Well, that I mean, it sounds like that certainly could be part of the problem. Yeah. So I got to run. Totally. Good. Go for it. Hey, I totally forgot uh, something. A major announcement. Uh, Aaron, remember I told you I was kind of supporting her now? Yeah. Interesting that as soon as I start running... Major announcement. (laughs) Major announcement. (laughs) I was saying it's interesting that as soon as I start running, I I forget my support role when I forget about her (laughs) major (laughs) announcement. Uh, So she ran the... uh, Asheville 10K this past weekend. Awesome. Which was a nice time. I had the kids. First time I think I've done that with both kids because first time she's run a, a race that, that we all attended. Last time we were at a baseball game for Holden. Uh, so we all, all attended, all watched her run, which was fun. The kids loved cool. it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was at the ha- Asheville Half Marathon day, so they just the, the half marathoners left three minutes ahead of the 10K runners. And uh, so Aaron ran. It was... You know, tough course, big hill in the middle of it. People were coming in like slower than I expected. Uh, 10k, and it was reasonably well attended. So, like, I don't know, just just seemed like it wasn't like a five people in the race. Um, I think it was 500 or so, and it was you know it's a tough course. So she finished. I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, hey, that's good, great. She's back. Came in 56 minutes or something. I thought, okay, that's good, good time on a tough course. Because she's never been a, she'll be the first to admit, she's never, like, fast running has not been her thing. She's been about endurance. She's done some marathons. Um, never has paid too much attention to speed. And we got home, and she's on the winner's page. She got third place in her age group. Which no was, way. Yeah, which is amazing. I, I think she was third out of, like, I think 45 women in her age group. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and she was 24th overall, I mean, not, of all women, uh, and I think there were, like, 320. So she was, like, in the top... Seven percent or something. Whoa, Aaron! Congratulations. That is cool. I, I I know. I was blown away. I was very proud, and uh, I don't really know what to chalk it up to. And I don't think she does either because she hasn't really done a lot of speed work. We've just I've kind of convinced her she should be doing. She's been doing a lot of kind of the single speed running as she's she's gearing up for a half marathon and then a marathon, and it will be her first since we've had kids. Since we've had so it'll be seven eight years since since she's done one. Um. And so I would kind of convince her like she should, she should start get out of the single speed running thing, do some do some tough days, and then do some really really easy days. But she's really just started that in the past few weeks, so I, it's like I don't know what to attribute it to. I just I, and neither does she. I, I just wonder if it's diet. It could be absolutely. It's I mean it's so easy to point to that when I mean it when has we, to be. I think that there's no <laughs> no other. I think we have just proven that it is diet, and that there's no other possibility. Yep. And therefore, plant-based diet is the is the way to go for everyone. It's the way to go if you wanna if you wanna win your age group, get in the top three <laughs> podium age group. You gotta you gotta go vegan. There you go. So I, you know, I don't know where there's smoke, there's fire. Doug might be that truly might be it. I yeah, that is awesome. That is, I'm really excited for Erin that she both is doing this and really knocking it out, but also she is she's running well. 
Yeah, totally. So she's going to be doing a half marathon, I think, in Boone, which is uh, quite a hilly course, as you, Doug, would know, as a graduate of App State. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the name of that school? Is that right? <laughs> Appalachian State, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, Boone, uh, that course is going to be gnarly. She's going to like that, I yeah, think. Yeah, it, it really is. But yeah, so uh, so that'd be good. So she's going to do that, and then, then a marathon in October, if all goes as planned, and I am looking forward to continuing my support role. It's, it's enjoyable for me. Are you going to go out to Boone to watch her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I canceled. I got invited to a good uh, work thing out in California at the home of John and Ocean Robbins like I did last year mm-hmm. and said, not this year. Going to be supporting my wife in a half marathon. Awesome. Which was which is tough because I really would love to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also would love to do this. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Okay, good. Well, now we can get to uh, what's going yeah. on today. <laughs> so we have basically later. given, yeah, we've given a, a free episode of Matt and Doug's show. <laughs> uh, what we had planned to do, so that we didn't have to, not so that we didn't have to record, but because we had this <laughs> nice, Q, <laughs> uh, we had we we did a Q and A session for uh, No Meat Athlete Pulse, which we'll tell you what that is in a second. Uh, that I thought was very good. It was just a nice kind of typical. Us. It was it was a podcast extended into a live Q and A session. Basically, it was the same dynamic, uh, and I think people in the Pulse, the members of Pulse, you know, get that now and they're into it. And it was just a fun time. It was good, and we figured the podcast listeners would like to hear that Q and A session. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We are going to play the replay of that. But if you want to go see it, you can just go watch us at it's nomadathlete slash watch w a t c h. Right, Doug? That's right. Yes. So you can go there, you can see the question. And I think you'll be able to see, like, even see everybody's, uh, the, the chat as chat. it happens. So you can, yeah. You won't, if you type in the chat box, it will not appear, just so you know. No, we're not trying to trick anybody here. Uh, and we're not pretending it's live, but you will see the, see them go up. These comments go up as if they were, uh, it's a replica of the, of the real Q&A. That is cool. good. But if you don't want to do that, you can just listen to it. You don't need to see us. I mean, there's no, there's no visual Nothing we nothing we don't have charts or anything that we're that we're pointing to. It's just us. You get to see our smiles. Yeah, totally. Talking heads. You get to see me smirking that one time while you were talking, and then you say, "Hey, Matt, what are you smirking about?" And I was thinking, <laughs> "Yeah, that's something funny." Uh, which which is revealed in the Q and A. So anyway, um, <coughs> you can do it either way. You can watch it. You can listen to it. Whatever you want. I think it. I think we probably last. It probably went an hour or so. Yep. So that's why this episode will appear so long in iTunes or in whatever your podcast medium of choice is. Um, Pulse, though, for those who don't know, we've, we've kind of just recently brought back the Nomad Athlete Academy. It accumulated all this content month after month, and we finally said, hey, this is a big deal now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start talking about it again. So that's going on right now. Uh, we are, we're doing a little $1 trial offer. You can join Academy for a, for a full month at just the cost of a dollar, and then after that it will turn into the regular price month to month. Um, if you want to see that, it's at nomadathlete.com slash trial and the pulse thing, which is new, um, but maybe of particular interest to podcast people is, uh, is like the community side of that. So it, it is basically under the pulse umbrella. We're putting, um, the Q and a session with me and Doug one a month and then one a month also with me and Sid Garza Hillman from health made simple and author of approaching the natural, uh, and clown type guy. He's been on our podcast. He's our, he's like our buffoon character lovable buffoon <laughs> um, makes his cameo appearances every every few months i'd say yeah and talks about not taking showers and uh-huh. 
whatever else he does grounding Tr- trampolining and tramp- rebounding is the rebounding. technical oh, yeah. term uh yeah so that's it and uh and then we've got a facebook group happening as well and we have a weekly newsletter that we send out each week now because that's because it's a weekly newsletter so we send it out each week uh, which was a tough decision whether we should send out the weekly newsletter daily or weekly or monthly <laughs> we ultimately set it on weekly yeah we, we set it on weekly yeah uh, anyway, has has like a bunch of links to our favorite re- recipes from around the web that week. No meat athlete approved, and that's what that's what Pulse is. It comes now with all the content that's in the academy. So uh, Which, I didn't. Intend- I mean, I'd say a lot. Most listeners don't know what the academy is. Should we just do a little like elevator pitch for the? Academy? Yeah, I I guess so. Without making this work, I didn't mean for us to give a big pitch here. It was sort of like, hey, go check out what we're doing in the academy with this Q and A session. But I guess people need to know what it is. Um, what is it, Doug? It's it's. 31 modules now of, of uh, nutrition, fitness, and mindset stuff where we go in-depth. About half of them we feature a guest expert, uh, people like Rich Roll, Leo Babauta, Brendan Brazier, uh, Michael Arnstein, Heather Crosby, Chef AJ. All these people have done little modules with us, uh, Robert Cheek, of course, and several others. So that's kind of it, right? Yeah, right. It's a, it's, I mean, uh, it's a good way to go in-depth on, on a certain topic and, and really just kind of become more of a well-rounded person, well-rounded vegan, athlete, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's sort of our, I guess, like a next level. If you like Nomad Athlete, like the podcast, it's sort of the next way to kind of step that up a little bit. Yeah. Including the interaction because the Q&A sessions are good and they're, they're we have a lot of members, but they, they tend, uh, the Q&A sessions, we, we always manage to answer the questions. So uh, it's good. Anyway, that's enough. Did not mean to turn into a sales pitch. Figured people would appreciate the Q and A. Um, yeah, that, that's all we got. Anything else to say, Doug? Before we before we jump into it? No, I think that's it. I think we should just go right into the Q and A. Just jump right in. Hey, before <laughs> we do, I have a uh, I have thought of a new segment we need to do. Oh, I don't really know what it's going to be, what it's going to entail. Uh huh. But it's going to be called Downward Facing Doug. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect, right? That is perfect. Yeah. Well, what would we do in it? I don't really know, but it just seems perfect. So nothing, let's think on that. Comes to mind. Maybe if if you have an idea of what downward facing Doug should be, you should tweet at us at Rocket yeah. Runner at No Meat Athlete. Let us know what you think. Yes, please do. Uh, but before we we go, I guess we should do our our new segment that we're officially officially having. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the last thing you did before bed last night? Uh, you're right. Uh, last thing I did before bed was, well, I'm at my mom's house in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was phoned home, talked to my wife, Erin, for about half an hour, and uh, just just put in some time. Got in some time. I like it. You had yeah, you, you sent me an email at five that you were going to dinner. I thought that was funny. You were in Florida yeah, right. <laughs> eating dinner at five. Which is totally what we do at home, too. So it's not not just Florida, but <laughs> okay. you're right. It seems like a Florida thing. Yeah. Um, well, good. All right. What did you do? What did you do? I spent a long time on the internet looking at decking. Nice. <laughs> yes, very oh, nice. Oh, are you going to make an announcement? No, not going to make an announcement just yet. But that's a little teaser for uh, what could be okay. coming soon. Nice. Decking. Decking. All right. Well, that is a teaser. I'm looking forward to to expanding on that teaser. But yeah. we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that for now. Doug is looking at decking. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, let's do it. Let's go let's to, get the... to the Q&A. All right. Where's the Q&A? 
we're on. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm going to type a little hello in the chat, just for those who like to read. And welcome, everyone, to our Nomidati Pulse, which is code name for bonus you get when you join Academy or Health Made Simple. Uh, fitness Q&A for May. This is our second Q&A we've done this month. First one, of course, was with Sid Garza-Hillman about nutrition. And this time uh, is, of course, about fitness with Doug. Um, so let's see. We're doing this one at nighttime because we're trying to do one each month that is uh, day and one that is night to hit as many schedules as possible. And as I also mentioned in the email today, reminding you about it, um, these have been really fun recently. And they've been ramping up in attendance and interest and activity level of uh, the people who are attending. So I think that is all really good. And uh, I take that as a sign that, that people are digging the new stuff we're doing with the uh, Pulse Facebook group and newsletter. And honestly, why wouldn't you? Right, Doug? That's right. Why wouldn't you? It's awesome. Why you? It's awesome. <laughs> I can't exactly. get an echo. You do need Headphones. You what? You got an echo for me? Yeah. yeah. All right. Then I will headphone it up here. One second, everyone. Um, Doug, kill some time for us. Do, do a wacky bit that we've been working on. It. <laughs> one, one, of my, one of my signature wacky bits. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I think that I think that this poll stuff has been uh, good. It's put some fresh life into Health Made Simple in the Academy, I think, and some new energy. And uh, I'd love to hear about like what people think of the newsletters because we haven't gotten a ton of feedback on the newsletters themselves. But there, of course, we're making these for you guys. Um, so if you have any suggestions, please respond to either the newsletter or shoot us an email. Um, and uh, you know, we'd love to see that feedback and implement it because it is a new thing. We're just testing it or, you know, we're not testing it, but it's a work in progress for sure. So. Good. Exactly. All right. Not, well, not so wacky, um, but... no, that wasn't wacky at all. <laughs> not wacky, not zany, but mm. that's all right. All right. Doug, would you like to share with us what you're drinking in that, in that, um, <laughs> that container, which is opaque so that we can't see what's in it. <laughs> I purposely add an opaque <laughs> container so that you can you can figure out or you can make your own conclusion as to what it is. But okay, uh, it, yeah. Water hydration tablet dissolved in water, maybe a nun noon. Oh yeah, definitely, def definitely that. Yep. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I had myself a glass of wine before this because uh, I had I had a lot of calls today, and that, I don't usually like talking for a whole long time, so I had I to had unwind a little bit. I had, I had three podcasts today. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, one wow. was you with you, of course, and right. trail talk, and then another one. But uh, but no one cares about that, right? I mean, they have they have questions. People have questions. Yeah, they they do have questions, uh, and we have some pre-submitted ones already, which is always good because it helps us kind of get the ball rolling. But uh, if you're here live, then by all means jump in. We're happy to take yours uh, as soon as you're able to submit it. Really, so uh, put it in as soon as you got it, and uh, we will just get started. By the way, this is as we said a fitness Q and A. So the idea is that these questions will typically be a little bit more about things like exercise and running or nutrition around and during exercise and running. Uh, but of course, general nutrition questions are fine too. Um, you know, and, and on the nutrition Q&A that we do with Sid, you, know, you can ask exercise questions then as well. Sid is an ultra marathoner, Doug is vegan. So there's a lot of crossover on all these. Um, so anyway, that, that's the idea. Ask me whatever you want, but we're kind of just hopefully staying mostly on that one topic. All right, let's take first one that was submitted ahead of time. 
And I guess we're working, things are working because no one has, has complained or anything. So I'm thinking the sound and, and video is working, but if not, just let us know. All right, uh, first one says, let me find the name real quick. It's always nice to give it a little name shout out on these and I can never really figure out how to do that. I'm so good at computers <laughs> and technology. You're, the, you're probably the most uh, technology illiterate person who works <laughs> in, in the internet world uh, than uh, that I've ever yes, met. <laughs> that, that, that's probably true. All right, we have no first name on this one, but her email said, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna guess her first name because she didn't put it for a reason. He or she didn't put it for a reason. Uh, the question is, how do you get on track when you have been unhealthy for so many years and now obese? I know what I should eat, whole food, plant-based, and I know to exercise, but I just can't break the horrible habits I've adopted for such a long period of time. Thank you. Okay, uh, good. Nice, easy one to start with. A little, little softball, but it doesn't feel easy for her, I bet. No, I, I was kidding. That, that actually is not easy. I mean, it, we can give a general answer, and that easy, that's easy to do. But, um, yeah, exactly. For her, for the individual, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very hard situation. Like anyone who has, who has a habit they've wanted to change, an unhealthy habit that they've wanted to change for years and years and years and hasn't, uh, that becomes a monster in your head. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to make light of that at all. So best way to change it. Um, probably they're the best ways to change any big, difficult habit to change. And for most people, I think that is going in very small steps. Uh, and what that means is having a really good, compelling vision for the future, for what you want, but making sure you are allowing yourself enough time to get there. So having this picture of yourself and your habits and your life, you know, three years from now, which I would say most people don't estimate, they, they don't give themselves enough credit for what they might be able to do in three years. Um, but understanding that it's going to take a long time to get there and that to keep yourself motivated along the way, finding a way to get yourself motivated for kind of intermediate stepping stone things on the way to there. Um, but really, I think, I think as much as possible, imagine like, Fast forward three years from now or whatever your goal date is sometime out there to, you know, achieve X, Y, Z, weigh X, Y, Z, eat certain amount, whatever, whatever you're trying to do. Um, let's see. Sorry. I kind of lost my train of thought there. Have, have that in mind. Um, but just often like picture, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's way easier to face an overwhelming change. Like I'm just thinking from experience, getting back to the gym or getting back to running. When, it, when things aren't going well or I haven't been doing it for a long time, and it just seems like this crazy task um, to get back to where I was before or get to some new level. If I could put myself in that position three years from now and think about looking back, then it doesn't seem like that much effort or that, that long a time if it takes me three months or six months to really start to gain momentum. It seems like, okay, that like in the moment, that seems like a long time, a three or six month kind of build up with really, really small steps developing habits. But if you think about looking back on it three years from now, when you've made all these successful changes, taking three or six months to kind of get the ball rolling in the big scheme of things is, is kind of insignificant. So use that sort of idea to help you to take the smallest steps possible. Uh, and then figure out what is the smallest possible step you can take. And, that, and when I say smallest possible, I mean the smallest step, um, 
I guess I should say the largest step that you think will be absolutely no trouble whatsoever to do. Sid, who does our nutrition Q&A each month, he starts some clients with having drinking a glass of water first thing in the morning. That's their first small step. Uh, I think he said something, he's given examples about having people add a stalk of celery, a single stalk of celery to their dinner and have that be their first tiniest step to getting themselves to, you know, back to eating well. And I know this is like ridiculously small. It's not going to make any impact on your weight or your your energy level or any of that stuff. It's just not going to do anything. Uh, but it is going to start to crucially teach you that you can trust yourself and that you can follow through on tiny commitments that you make. And when we have these giant habits that have lasted for years and years and we haven't been able to break, we have this huge story in our head that says we cannot change this. And every time we set out to change this, we fail and we let ourselves down. So I think the first step is starting to change that story. And that's what the small steps thing does so much. So from an exercise perspective, it could be running for two minutes. It could be getting outside the door and tying your shoes and taking a step off your porch. And like that literally could be a, truly literally your first step, uh, your first small step in doing this and do it for seven days in a row. And, you know, you've done something that required some effort. Most of the effort was getting to the door and getting your shoes on, but like you've done something. And then in the second week, I don't know, go a quarter mile. So just tiny, tiny amounts. And if you find yourself procrastinating or failing or missing days, then it means your amount is too big. So I would suggest picking probably the diet thing. I wouldn't even suggest doing that and running at the same time. I would just pick one of them uh, and start really, really small. And because you've got three years to get here, it's okay that it's going to take you a month to really start getting into any sort of habit and three months before you start seeing any results. Uh, but if you can kind of trust the process and know that you're making changes and you can, because you can feel different in your head, even if not yet in your body. Um, I don't know. That That's how I would begin to tackle just what I'm assuming is a really big problem. Something that, you know, for you is there's a big story um, about getting going. Doug, anything yeah. to add to that? That was the longest first answer ever, I think, in one of these things. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, don't have too much to add. Uh, you know, starting small is kind of where I would suggest, of course, uh, the small steps. Uh, more like thinking when the health health made simple mindset, um, you know, once you once you feel like you're ready, uh, you know, you're starting with just one meal, like a breakfast is really easy. Um, you know, starting with just one meal per week and not not even trying to do one meal per day or going all in, but just picking. All right. Every every Monday morning, I'm going to kick the week off with um, with a breakfast from Health Made Simple and I'm going to start there. And then you can gradually kind of build off on that. Uh, if, if the breakfast is not too big for you to, uh, you know, isn't, is not too big of a first step, uh, maybe the water or maybe the, the stock of celery is a better place to start, but, um, you know, just start small. It sounds like, you know, where you need to go. So, and where you, what you need to be doing, and it's just a matter of getting out and doing it, but don't feel like you have to go in a hundred percent from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I, I should add, I guess that like, there is a certain group of people, a camp and I, I, kind of sympathize or, or their argument resonates with me who say like, go all in, I'll just do it because you'll start to get the fast results that way. And two weeks in, you'll have lost a certain amount of pounds and you'll be feeling great because you went whole food plant-based overnight and you know, you committed to it. And that's, that's true. Like if you can make it, if you think you can last two weeks or a month, uh, then you might kind of shortcut the whole process by jumping right in because you start to get positive results and that hopefully gives you positive feedback and then helps you to do it, makes it easier. 
but unfortunately, most people don't, I don't think, don't last that long. They fail before results begin to occur. Uh, and especially in your case, uh, because you're saying, I just like, you know what you have to do, but I just can't break the horrible habits I've, I've adopted for such a long period of time. That tells me you've tried this before and failed. So I would now say, try what most people don't try, which is just being really patient, kind of having some restraint and just doing a tiny, tiny bit at a time, taking this long-term two or three year view of, of the, the goal and, uh, and realizing that, that the first month or two, like it's fine if, if all you're working on is getting your head, you know, building the habits in your head. Beth says, what about an accountability partner, which is a really great, uh, I guess, segue into my next bit of advice, which would be that's like start small, like take the tiniest steps possible. That is, you know, my go-to habit advice, but that's probably one piece out of about seven or 10 pieces of advice that I would say are helpful in forming new habits. Um, I would read uh, Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. There are others out there that are good too. And there are blogs that are all, like Zen Habits is all about this kind of stuff or oh, it has been at different times of its existence about this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, they have all the concepts there. But just having an understanding of what it takes to make changes, uh, one thing of which is an accountability partner is a really, really great thing. Or accountability, accountability in general, however you can create that, uh, whether it's via a partner or a group who kind of checks in with you. Um, you know, it's really, really good to have accountability, for sure. That's super important. And there are five other things that are that are important. Having a trigger, having reminders that are visible uh, lots of other things. So lots of little things you can do. I think small steps and one habit at a time are the most important ones you could have. Uh, both of which, by the way, require patience. And that's what most people don't have when it comes to this. Um, so there you go. You should come back though for the fit, for the nutrition one, because Sid is more expert about this stuff than I am, uh, especially habit change as it relates to weight loss or health and fitness. Um, so you should, you should come ask him that in, in two weeks from now. And uh, you might be able to find someone who wants to be an accountability partner for you, with you, in the Facebook group. So you can there reach you go. Out. Perfect. Somebody might join you. That is a great, great point. And if you write that question in there, there's a good chance we will highlight it in the newsletter and then Ooh. send people to it, which we're trying, trying to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, good question, though. Very good question. Uh, Nancy, who is here live, says, I'm using your small step habit change method, which I love. Like, I should point out it's not mine. As much as I wish I invented that and earned a little bit of just a, couple, just a fraction of a penny every time someone used it successfully. Uh, but no, it is not mine. Uh, I'm now drinking 64 ounces of water daily. Any reason I need to spread it out throughout the day or can I get it over with by noon? Uh, I would probably spread that out. I mean, like... I don't think you're going to hurt yourself drinking 24 ounces or 64 ounces before noon. Although it's possible. I mean, there's a lethal dose of water where if you drink. Yeah, I think it's water, way more than 64 <laughs> ounces. Though. It's way, way more. Unless you woke up at 11. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but I just think whatever the benefits are that water is giving you, I think you basically will, will urinate those benefits out by 1 PM if you're drinking them by noon. So I would, I would spread that out throughout the day. Just, I don't know, I just just because if it, if it is doing something like flushing your system out, which I don't know if water does that. I mean, certainly it's good to drink water. I don't know if that's a literal benefit or not. Um, you would think that would kind of be good as an ongoing thing throughout the day rather than just. A well, I think hydration is really good for your skin. It's good for your metabolism. It's good for your immune system. It's good for 
everything pretty much. But uh, if you chug it all before noon and then just kind of coast with no liquids or only coffee or wine or something like that, then you're not getting the hydration benefits throughout the afternoon and into the evening. So you're kind of having this huge block where you're not really taking much water. So I would definitely recommend spreading it out. And you may find that you can actually drink more than 64 ounces if you spread it out. Yeah. Like if you drink 32 in the morning and 32 in the midday and 32 in the evening, I wouldn't do 32 in the evening, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that you can, you can probably get more than 64 if that is truly your goal. Um, but that, I mean, if that, if that's a first small step of a habit change, wonderful. That That's really, really great to get, because I know most people don't, most people drink, you know, 64 ounces of Coke during the day from the big gulp. So that, that's awesome. Um, Fun fact, Doug, from Dr. Gregor's book, How Not to Die, he says there that coffee and beer actually hydrate you, <laughs> which I'm guessing what he's doing is calculating just how much of a diuretic effect alcohol has versus how much liquid is in those drinks and how much water you're taking in just by drinking those things. I can't understand, though, if you drink beer all night and wake up the next day and you don't drink any water. I feel like you're just completely dehydrated from that. Yeah, I would agree there. I, you know, <laughs> the cotton mouth you have in the morning after a bunch of beers. Right. I, so I don't get it. I, I do trust Dr. Gregor a lot. Um, I don't know how he came up with that or what study he was saying. He did say that red wine is the, is the and I assume liquor too, uh, they are the drinks that, that dehydrate you because they don't provide enough fluid per amount of alcohol. Uh, mm. uh, but beer and coffee apparently... How, how would that be any different than... White wine. Oh, did I say red only? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just I white ignore white wine. I don't. I just don't <laughs> recognize the existence of white wine. <laughs> just, it's not good. So, okay. Um, yeah. So, Nancy, I would do not get your water consumption over with by noon. I would I would spread that out th- throughout the day. Um, but I mean, but if that's a, if that's a giant hurdle, yeah. yeah, great. And if that's a giant hurdle for you, then and it's going to ruin things or put you off track, then, then just keep doing it in the morning for a while. And, and just, I don't know, take, do 63 and 1, and then 60, 62 and 2. And each day you can shift one ounce towards the afternoon, and then you'll then you're there. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a small step way to do it. <laughs> an, an annoying step, I think. And in, and in a month, you'll be, you'll be doing exactly what you want. There you go. Okay. Um, next question. All right, this one is specifically for Doug from Alexa. Alexa. Don't say it too loud. <laughs> Good thing you have my headphones in. <laughs> Alexa's who I ask questions of, or, or is what I ask questions of. Yeah. Um, Alexa's broken. Oh, see, Alexa's probably so sick of those jokes. Oh, um, man, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry too, Alexa. Okay, um, Doug, I have eight weeks to train for a marathon trail run after Ironman Boulder. The trail congratulations, that's cool. The trail run had 12,000 feet of elevation gain. She might mean has, because Ironman Boulder wouldn't have that trail run in it, right? Or had a trail run in it. So she must mean has. Uh, 12,000 feet elevation gain. Are there any specific workouts you would recommend I incorporate into my training given the limited time and post-Ironman fatigue? Uh, 12 weeks? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, I would... I So w- with the Ironman... I'm still getting an echo. Is that from you? Is that from? I don't really know what that would be from. Could be from me. No idea. I don't hear it. So hopefully people don't don't hear it either. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely take the time to with the Ironman. You're going to have plenty of 
basic level fitness and even running fitness, um, you know, you're going to be in good shape after the Ironman. So fitness is not uh, like general fitness is not a huge concern. So I would take the time to recover properly after Ironman um, because you're going to need it. That's a really big event um, and a big strain on the body. I would take seven to 10 days uh, of, of really minimal exercise to kind of allow yourself to recover properly from that. Um, and then I would really hit the hills. I mean, I think that if you're, if you're not training for 12,000 feet of gain that, you know, then that's going to put a big strain on you. So I would, you know, both the up and the downhill. So I would, I would hit the vert. I would go up into the mountains as much as you can and, um, you know, have several four or 5,000 foot days where you're just trying to get as much uh, climbing and descending in as you can to make sure that you get that descent as well. And not just, uh, not just the climbing. Uh, and that would be, that's, so that would be my focus. I would have a, a few key strategic long runs. Um, so if you have eight weeks, let's say two weeks are spent mostly recovering, um, you know, two weeks to kind of taper. So I'd, I'd use those four weeks in the middle to really focus on uh, long runs that have a lot of climbing and a lot of descending uh, and then do some hill work at, instead of speed works, speed work uh, throughout the week. So I'd replace any sort of speed work you're doing for Ironman with, with hill work. There you go. Kill the hill. And, and those kind of longer and w- with the hill workouts throughout the week, I would really focus on those longer, you know, quarter mile to full mile uh, climbing. So if you, if you have access to a really kind of a long drawn out hill, then I would focus on that and, uh, uh, and try to get that in. And, and during those long runs, you know, if it's 12,000 feet of vert over the course of a marathon, then there's probably going to be some really steep stuff. So you're probably going to be reduced to a hike uh, from time to time. And I would make sure that you're practicing some of that because that's probably not a skill you're working on uh, for Ironman. You know, I would uh, practice that kind of uh, seamless flow between running and, and hiking up, up the mountain. Good. And building those hiking muscles, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Getting efficient, like- getting efficient at, at that. You know, a lot of people know, everybody knows how to hike, right? Everybody's been on a walk in the woods. Uh, but a lot of people don't know how to effectively power hike uh, in a way that uh, they're conserving their energy. They're using less effort, uh, but still getting, still moving pretty quickly, not just kind of strolling, but really moving with intention. Uh, and the best way to do that is to learn how to practice it or to practice it and get those muscles firing. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it always feels good to pass someone on a hill uh, hiking up it in a, in a race, like an ultra. I just feel like I'm not putting any effort for it because I'm walking and I'm just passing people. Not that I'm that yeah. great at it, but when it happens, it feels good to me. The best, the best is when you're hiking and you pass somebody who's trying to run. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> when you good. see them just like. Uh, <laughs> it's all about other people suffering. The more, and the more they're suffering, the better, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course. No. All right. That uh, good you think, Matt, you got anything to add to that? No, I don't have anything to add to that. I don't think. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a burly marathon. Twelve thousand feet of climbing over the course like, of isn't marathon. That what your, isn't that what your race just was recently? Yeah, but that was over the course of a hundred k. That's what I mean. That's a, and that's it's a long way. I and mean, there's a lot of it. I know. I know. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm saying. It's, that's a really tough race. So she's going to be going up and down basically the whole time. Um, yeah, and so I, you know, I would I would really focus on those those climbing and, and the descending muscles because I think a lot of people kind of ignore that part because it's easy. It's much easier to go downhill than it is uphill, but that's really, I mean, you know, if your quads aren't, aren't ready for that, then uh, you're going to take a real beating and, and that's kind of, it'll, 
it'll come back and bite you in the in the hindy when you're 20 yes. miles in. That's an important point because if you don't even realize, even if you didn't realize that and you thought you trained pretty well, you still could, you know, just crash down the hills and feel like you're just bombing. And I mean, you know, bomb down the hills and feel like you're doing awesome. And then, and then you just, you just die at mile 18. Right. Quite possible. I've done that before. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alexa has another question. It says, Matt. So she had one for each of us, which is nice. Uh, the oh, last piece, of, yeah. So, so as not to mix us up or anything, or have anybody any disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last piece of being able to become vegan for me are eggs. That, that's interesting and good because a lot of people, it's cheese. In fact, everyone, it's cheese. They just said they can't give up cheese. So, eggs seems like fairly easy compared to that. Uh, sadly, I don't like tofu scrambles. Can you recommend mm. another savory breakfast item that I can smother on hot sauce and ketchup? Because let's be honest, that's what most of us do to eggs anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes, I can recommend a few, a few savory breakfast items. Uh, I was never much of an egg eater, so I will preface it with that. But it makes it means I'm not an expert on egg substitutions for, you know, normal eating. Uh, but I am a fan of savory breakfast and I really like Southwest style savory breakfast. So, uh, refried beans would be really good with hot sauce. Uh, you can put them in a breakfast style burrito, which might involve potatoes if you want. Uh, you could also skip the refried beans, do a microwave or boiled or whatever you want, or do it, cook it ahead of time and just have the potato in your refrigerator and put that in a, in a burrito or just eat that with salsa dumped on it. Uh, this also works really well as a dinner, but I just feel like those Southwest flavors, they just work for breakfast for me. Um, and, and they're really good. So I don't know. The beans probably nutritionally are better than the potato, but I don't think potatoes are anything to, to be feared or shy away from. And if you ate a white potato every single breakfast, uh, I think that would still be a pretty darn good breakfast. So um, let's see. Other things. Also, I will add, you can learn to love tofu scrambles. You just, you just will. Because you'll be vegan for a while and you'll stop eating all these rich, you know, and not that there's no rich vegan food, but you just stop getting used to rich food all the time. And, you know, I think your standards lower as far as what tastes good. Uh, other people like to call that your taste buds adjust uh, or your palate adjust. But I feel like eventually. Standards lower. <laughs> for like gourmetness, my standards have lowered. And I still yeah. love going to a gourmet vegan restaurant, but I can throw together food and eat it for health reasons or just, not even that, just, just kind of like because it's food and it's good and it sustains me. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't have as high standards as I used to. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, I really like corn. I got into a phase where I was making corn tortillas. This goes along with the refried beans and the Southwest thing. But I was making corn tortillas myself, and I would heat those up for breakfast and just dip them in hot sauce and put other kinds of beans, like black beans sometimes, um, with salsa. And avocado works really nicely on those breakfast days. I don't know why. It just goes really well. Uh, a little bit of fruit on that Southwest plate also is very nice. So those are a bunch of ideas. They're not they're not fast, but the potato idea certainly could be could be fast. Um, potatoes, canned black beans, you know, um, in a in a makeshift burrito type of thing that can be pretty quick uh, as a savory breakfast. And there's a bunch of stuff in the Nomi cookbook as well. Uh, something called the Daily Grinder, which is a nice sandwich that involves um, tofu, but it's not a tofu scramble. Uh, there's a hummus, a breakfast savory hummus recipe in there that is, is hummus, but kind of meant for, meant for breakfast more than, than anything else. I shouldn't say it's savory hummus. It's breakfast hummus. Um, of course it's savory, but, uh, 
just a little bit different. So those are some some ideas. Um, I don't know, Doug. I mean, I know she asked me. Do you have any other any other breakfast savory ideas? Oatmeal. Uh, we, oatmeal. You could you could savory. You can make savory oatmeal quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like the the potato idea. Um, I think tofu scramble is kind of all about how you season it. So if you season it properly, then or not properly, but if you season it in a way that you like, then uh, it'll taste a little bit better. Um, right. And also, we've been doing a lot of like tempeh sandwiches, which uh, you could. They haven't been for breakfast so much, but you could certainly make them for breakfast and add some flavors that are appealing to you in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like open face sandwiches with avocado and tempeh and you know tomato or something, um, pretty good. Yeah, very good. Uh, another recipe just came to mind for me from the Nomadic Cookbook, uh, which is olive chickpea waffles. And that All recipe right. was shared in our uh, cookbook sample recipe blog post a few weeks back. So if you just look on Nomi Dathi and probably four posts in, uh, you will find that recipe. And waffles and pancakes turn out to be really good kind of time-saving breakfast because you can – it turns out you can – I didn't know this until I had kids, but you can make those all in advance, throw them in the freezer, and then breakfast time, pop them in the toaster for five minutes, and they, they turn out like totally fine. They're just really good. So you didn't um, know that you can have frozen waffles? No, never, never knew that Eggo existed or any of the frozen waffles. <laughs> you know, I just didn't know you could do it yourself. I just, well, okay, frozen pancakes then, Doug. I didn't know you could do frozen pancakes, <laughs> but you can. And I don't know. I never thought of homemade waffles that you could freeze them. I figured that was a, I figured I, Eggo I had the, Yeah, Eggo had the monopoly on that. <laughs> um. Uh, we get the Kashi Blu-ray waffles are vegan. They're pretty good sometimes. Good. You're in a pinch. Uh, but but they're they're sweet. I don't know. Is your waffle recipe? Yeah, sweet? I'll have chickpea waffles. No, not not sweet at all. Savory. Savory. So you can dump ketchup and whatever else on there. Hot sauce. All right. All right. Thanks for your Moving questions, on. Alexa. Avocado toast. One more. Avocado toast. Make toast. Spread avocados on it. Optionally, nutritional yeast and black pepper if you want. Hot sauce, definitely, though. Doug, you don't like that? Not if you're ever going to buy a house. What's that mean? Oh, you haven't you haven't seen that thing? No. Okay, never mind. Is this a social media thing you're into? Yeah, it went viral. Somebody famous said, some famous economist said that the problem with millennials, why they can't afford to buy houses, is that they eat too much avocado toast. That's ridiculous. That's just the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. It's totally ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I love avocado toast and, and uh, throw a piece of tempeh on it and you have my suggestion from earlier. Yeah, there you go. All right, good. And all kinds of good vegan bacon recipes that are out there now with shiitake mushrooms as the base. Mm, mm-hmm. Look that up. I guess you wouldn't put ketchup on them, but maybe maybe you would. But they're really good. Hot sauce. Yeah, you can do hot sauce on them. Okay, um, let's move on. Beth says, I have, do not have, oh, no echo. Okay, I thought she was talking about the Alexa conversation again because you know those are echoes that, things but no she was talking about the echo that uh, you reported um okay Thanks, live one live one from samantha says uh i'm training for my second marathon in october and have doubled my mileage since last year i am having trouble figuring out how often to take rest weeks i'm not experiencing any injury but do go through running slumps every few weeks so uh how often do you take a rest week i assume with a rest week she means a typical sort of in training week week where you reduce your mileage by, I don't know, 25, 35%, maybe 
Um, so it feels like a really easy week, even if you're still putting in 30 miles, but compared to 45, it's, it's a lot easier. Um, when I was doing training programs that incorporated those, it tended to be every three to four weeks is when those would fall. Um, and some, you know, some runners I think really benefit from them. Others I think are driven crazy by them and just don't like that. I don't know. Doug, what do you think about rest week? Yeah, I think rest weeks can be, uh, can be good, especially if you're injury prone. Um, they're, they're really good. And, and I typically schedule them every four weeks. Uh, so one, one per month, so three weeks of building and then kind of one week there you take a step back, uh, and then kind of start back from where you were before you took the rest week to continue to build. But if you're not having any injuries, then, um, then I would say at, you know, five weeks, um, is probably a good, you know, a good time to kind of cut back a little bit, reduce a little bit, just to kind of give yourself some time to recover and reset a little bit. Um, but it sounds like you, you're not dealing with any injuries, just a little bit of fatigue. So, um, yeah, I mean, four to five weeks is kind of where I would, where I would recommend without knowing any more information. Okay, good. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I wonder, I mean, when I train for marathon, Samantha, I have a plan that tells me exactly what to do and when to take rest weeks and all those other things. So I'm guessing if you don't, then you're kind of making up your own plan, which is fine as long as you are confident in doing so. Um, or adapting another one to work in rest weeks because they're not there. Uh, Doug, would you, would you think typically just simply a reduction of mileage is all it really takes? Like, should you, should you lessen your tough workouts and just do all easy miles, but keep the mileage fairly high? Or do you think just kind of doing what you're doing, but, but you know, 80% of it? Yeah, no, uh, I would take a full rest week in that, um, that you're really reducing everything. So not just your mileage, but the intensity of those miles as well. Um, so, you know, if you're doing two tough workouts per week, plus your long run, then I would say maybe one mediumly tough workout, something that just kind of gets the the legs firing a little bit in a way that, um, you know, stresses you and kind of brings you up to that tempo effort or something like that. But, uh, but nothing that's going to be super intense and, and reduce that to only one instead of, instead of the two that you are doing. Uh, if you're doing two. Um, so yeah, definitely not just a reduction of miles, but a reduction effort as well. And, um, and I will say that if you're feeling a lot of fatigue throughout, you know, every, every week or every other week, then it could be that you're going a little bit too intense, uh, on a weekly basis. And I would just make sure that you are, um, taking advantage of rest days throughout the, throughout the week, every week. So making sure you have some time, uh, at least one day, maybe two days where you're mostly taking it off. Um, if not entirely from exercise, then uh, then at least from running and doing some sort of cross training, some sort of low impact cross training, uh, and then making sure that you're also using your recovery days properly. So maybe the Sunday after your long run, you can go out and run, you can do some active recovery, but um, making sure that that's really easy, even easier than your your typical easy run uh, would be. Okay, good. Um... I was trying to think of other things to add about the running slump deal every few weeks because that seems like quite a, quite a lot of running slumps. Um, so maybe the rest weeks would, would actually help you quite a bit there, just giving you time that you're not running to, to kind of wish you were running or, or you know, get, just get a little bit of space like Doug and I just talked about on the yet unpublished podcast this morning uh, about some space mm -hmm. taken. And, uh, yeah, it tends to benefit a lot of people. Um also, don't forget about mixing it up. You can just if you if if it's the second marathon and it's not that exciting because it's your second marathon. And we talked about this recently on a on a is published podcast. A couple, I think it was last one. Um, 
about how it's kind of hard to do the same thing again if there's not like a new reason to do that for a lot of like a new goal or a new whatever like to just do something you've already done a lot of times that original drive isn't there even though it seems like it should be um so so that could be happening as well and if that's the case i would just urge you to uh to think about how you can how you can make it seem totally different or exciting or a new challenge or something like that you could totally do that uh maybe it's setting a new time goal maybe it is setting a i don't know run the whole thing goal who knows but but think about different things you could do uh, when I get bored, uh, there are lots of little fixes and band-aids you can apply, just varying your stuff that you're up, you know, doing. But but ultimately for me, it, it ends up coming back to I need a better goal. It's a better fit for you know kind of where I am right now. So I don't know if that's what she's saying. If she's if she's doubled her mileage, then she must be doing something right. Yeah, that's a good point. And if she's doubling her mileage, then she probably already is training for a faster time. Yeah. So it's probably not just that it's the same goal. Yeah. Um, but good, good luck, Samantha. Yes, definitely good luck. Here's a problem. She's been training for marathon. It's six months away. It's in October. Ah. So that's a long, and that's a long way off. Yeah, I would definitely take rest weeks then. You don't want to be training intensely with full intensity of a marathon training for six months. That's too long. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely take take time build time into your training plan that uh, is, is giving you mental and physical relief. Um, some rest yeah. days some, yeah. or find something else to do for the next, whatever you have until 18 weeks out from your marathon, which is probably not all that long now. Maybe, it, maybe it's a month away until you would actually officially start training in an eight week, 18 week program. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, mix it up, do, do something different from your normal running routine. You can still run or you can still do cardiovascular exercise. Uh, but I don't know. I would I would mix it up, and so that so that when when that time begins, you're really excited. You don't want to lose your mileage base or your aerobic base, of course. Um, but I don't know. You have a little while. I would I would I would consider that because if it's boring now, then by the end, as you're you know in end of August, it's going to be tough. Yeah. You okay. can do what Lori's about to do. Okay, which is start running trails. Which Doug would recommend to everyone, of course, and also of course. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, my first twenty-five k run will be in September. However, the trails where I am located are flat, and I have a concrete pathway. Oh, and have a concrete pathway. The closest non-paved trail with an incline is thirty to forty minutes away. Any suggestions on training during the week when I can't travel? Hmm. I mean, do do normal training, right? Like, I feel like trail running is is a skill that you need to learn. Uh, but I don't really feel like, and Doug, you may differ here. I don't really feel like it's a skill that you need to maintain all that much. Like, yes, you need to go get your trail run in every few weeks to make sure you don't forget how to run trails. Uh, but when I trained for my hundred, I kept kind of beating myself over like up over like, and I should be doing more trail running because I have with the two kids and all that. It just kind of was hard to do trail runs, hard to get out for that. Um, and then race day came and I, I managed to do my 50 mile race and my, and my 30 K run that were, you know, things in the training. I did those on trails and I did a couple 20 miles sort of runs on trail and I, that ended up being enough. So you don't necessarily need to do it all the time once you know how to do it. Um, you know, Lori does say she is, wants to start running them. So that might mean that it's going to take a while before she does feel comfortable. And, and the more often you can do it, then obviously the, the sooner you will get comfortable, but 
I would just I would just do the trail stuff on on weekends and and on, in the week just keep doing you know whatever you're doing your speed work your concrete pathway trail or your easy runs that'd be my suggestion. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty good. Um, I would definitely get on the trail as much as you can, even if it's a flat trail. If you have access to a flat trail, just so you can get comfortable on the dirt and uh, with rocks and roots and other obstacles. But if it's uh, if it's hills that you're most concerned about, I do have a couple things, a couple ideas um, that you can do to train for hills, even if you only have flat. And that's the first one would be to like um, you take advantage of anything you have access you do have access to. So if you have uh, a large stairwell, something like that, that or a staircase uh, that's outside that you know is two or three flights of stairs. Um, you know, run up and down those a couple times a week. Uh, do repeats on that to simulate some sort of hill workout. Um, if you have access to a treadmill that has an incline uh, that you can crank up the incline for, you know, do that a little bit. You know, you don't have to do it all the time, uh, but uh, doing things like that to simulate some sort of hill workout throughout the week uh, is going to benefit you. Um, and then, uh, one thing that if you know that it's a really hilly workout or really hilly race, uh, you can do is simulate the, the shifts in leg speed. So, uh, you know, during a, during a, a mountain run or a, or a hilly run, um, you're going to have slow periods where you're going uphill and you have fast periods where you're going down and then kind of your standard flat pace. Uh, so you can, you can simulate that effort change and that effort shift, um, by, doing intervals where you're, you're having higher intensity periods, uh, during a, you know, go maybe going up to tempo run and going backing off, going to easy, uh, you know, can kind of fluctuating back, back and forth. So a fart lick workout is a really good way to do that and a really easy way to do that on, on flat ground to kind of simulate, uh, that type of training. So, uh, and then just get out on the Hills when you can take, take advantage of the weekends and go out and find the hilly trails, uh, when you do have access to that. Matt, you look like you you have a smirk on your face. You look like you're about to say, about to say just, something. I was I was imagining that we had a producer who would do wacky stuff like press his fart button when you said. <laughs> but we. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, so I, that, that's what I would do. I, was, I would try to simulate. Uh, hilly running as much as you can by using whatever you do have access to, even if it isn't actual hills. And, okay. uh, you know, do leg strength exercises too. You know, if you're, if you're worried about, if you're worried about, you know, your quads not being strong enough for uphills or downhills or your hamstrings and like that, then, then do some exercises. Yeah. I was going to suggest that. And the same hiking uphill stuff we suggested earlier that that's can be really helpful uh, in training for a hilly race. If you just you know, don't neglect the walking, hiking part of it. But congratulations on going for your first trail there run. You That's we awesome. Doug's many posts about how to start running trails on Nomad Athlete, Rocky Runner, and mm-hmm. I imagine just about everywhere else. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cynthia says, I have heard that black salt is a slightly sulfurous, eggy flavor that she could add to a tofu scramble. Yeah, that's that's true. You can put some nutritional yeast on there and make it make it cheesy. If people put like cheese on their eggs, do people do that? I don't know. Probably. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I smothered. I've had. I've had yeah, Isn't smothered and covered Waffle House style. Or is that hash browns? That's hash browns. Never. I, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I don't. You know, I've had a, a little bit of black salt in my day, and I I don't know that I've noticed that, but uh, I'm I'm not exactly refined palate when it comes to salt. So who knows? Um, 
Man, I can't imagine anyone wanting to add that to something. It seems like a terrible flavor to add to your food. <laughs> like, I feel like people like eggs because they're eggs, but does anyone like the uh, that rotten egg smell? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I guess they must. If you're into if, it, why if not? People yeah. buy black salt, then yeah, they must. All right. Uh, but good, good tip though, Cynthia. Jennifer says, "How do you work with your? Are there no men here tonight? I don't see I've heard one single man. Must be Doug's presence brings out the ladies, maybe." <laughs> Uh, okay, Jennifer says, how do you work with your spouse and kids to balance family and a running schedule? Looking for tips or systems? Uh, this, is a, this is a challenge, for sure. Um, my best <laughs> tip I have for it, for, and I'm not talking about running specifically, I'm talking about any kind of habit you're trying to do. I mean, although, I mean, I haven't been running that much recently, but I, I did my share of it right when we had two very young kids, including my 100 mile was right after we had... Uh, I think we had, I think our daughter was was three months old then or something. Uh, so one is have a really good supportive spouse who helps you out a lot and uh, is cool and also run and understand that that's really helpful. Uh, but you can't really change that if uh... no. You, well, you could, but you probably wouldn't want to. There might be easier ways to to address it than than that. You might be able to get them to start running, maybe. And I'm not saying you should try to change your spouse because this I know it's a touchy sensitive area. Um, it's possible that you will inspire them to want to do something, and especially if you kind of encourage that. So, Jennifer, because you're a woman, and I'm just going to assume that, that you're talking about a, a male spouse. I don't know for sure that you are, but it, but assuming you are, um, I, I think this is a mistake that I made for a while, was I would say to Aaron, my, who's my wife, something like, hey, Aaron, uh, I, I would really like to start taking an hour each day to do something. It could have been running, could have been something else I was into. Who knows? Um, and I, I really don't know. I don't have anything in mind. It just could, could have been anything. Uh, and I would say, so I'd like you to give me that hour where you'll watch the kids and whatever. And, and then I'm willing to offer an hour myself to watch the kids. And you just, I want you to do whatever you feel like doing during that time. But what I learned in, in studying male-female dynamics, actually... <laughs> Is it is it some peop, some women don't respond well to that? They would they would kind of prefer that you suggest something that they can do. They don't like they don't like open ended things, right? I've also made the mistake. I hope this isn't too far off the rails. It's like terrible advice. Things like <laughs> it's it's Mother's Day. Today's your day. We'll do whatever you want. Just let me know, and we'll we'll make it happen. That's not for any men who are obviously not here. Um, <laughs> That's not the way to give a Mother's Day gift. Instead, instead, you plan something out and you say, here's what I have planned. And I'm whisking you away to do this great thing that I have made. I would, I would imagine that most women here, not all, most, would agree that that's a nicer gift than like, hey, here's total freedom to do what you want. Whereas I think I'd prefer the total freedom to do whatever we want idea. That seems, that seems fun to me. So anyway, the point is, I don't think that method works all that well, depending on your spouse. But I, said, I think maybe... If you say, "Hey, husband," if assuming it's a man, uh, I'm gonna—I need this hour a day to, to do training, and I'm in return going to give you an hour a day to do whatever you want. I think that would work particularly well. That would just be my hunch. Um, but you can't judge what that want is. If it's just sit and play video games and be lazy and eat Doritos, you gotta—you gotta be cool with that, and like that's fine. Um, so I wouldn't—I wouldn't judge or expect that. So anyway, that's that's the beginning of uh, my two cents. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that? I'm sure I can put together something better than that next. While yeah. <laughs> uh, my first uh, my first piece of advice is definitely to communicate. 
uh, what you want to do and not just start it. Uh, and then also communicate the why you want to do it. And, you know, so if it's if you want to or if you're training for a marathon, and it's really important for you to to run this, communicate with your spouse um, why that goal is so important to you and uh, and um, and, you know, what what's sparking that interest. And so they can help uh, understand it. I can and then hopefully be a part of the process and invite them to be part of the process, whether that is running with you or whether that is being your accountability partner or, or I don't know, some, somehow engaging in the process um, the best that they can. And then the other thing I would do is offer up, and this is what, you know, Katie and I are dealing with right now with a, with a newborn um, or I guess she's not really a newborn anymore, five months, five and a half months, but uh, a, an infant is, um, is that really, you know, there's somebody has to be like with, like with her, with her all the time. Um, and, uh, so when I want to run and, and when I, when I need to run, uh, I'm making sure that that is, it's a, at a good time for her. So that maybe that, or for, for Katie. So maybe that is before Katie and Eliza wake up. So pretty early in the morning, um, or while, uh, you know, while Eliza is napping, you know, finding times that I'm being flexible with my schedule, my workout schedule in a way that, um, that then doesn't totally put all the pressure onto Katie and make it, you know, totally inconvenience her in the way, um, in the way that would, if I was just like, all right, every day at four o'clock, I'm going out for a run. Um, so, so being flexible in that and kind of being mindful of, of when you're doing it. And, and also I think she sees the effort that I'm putting into making sure that I am being cautious and being aware of, of the, of what it does to her when I go out for a run. Um, and, and she responds well to that and respects that and is more, uh, flexible with that because she sees the effort I'm putting in and it's not just like, okay, I'm doing this, but, um, this is something I really want to do. Here's why. And here's how I'm going to make it work. And that, that in a way that inconveniences you the least way possible, at least amount possible. Good. I have two things to add, uh, both more practical than, than my previous advice, I think. <laughs> Than your Mother's um, Day, Mother's Day <laughs> gifting. <laughs> um, first of all, I, what you said about kind of being open and just communicating a lot—that can be really good because I think it might be that your spouse would really enjoy supporting you and really enjoy just helping to do. Like if they if they get the sense that this goal is really meaningful to you, um, which is kind of where I am now because Erin is now the one who's running a lot and she supported me for all these years with my running. And she herself is a runner. Just has, it's been a long time since we had kids, really, that she has has taken it upon herself to like really train for something and, and go for something. And I'm I'm really enjoying the chance to be the supporter for once and like clear my schedule and make sure I don't schedule anything for the race day so that I can be there and do that and watch the kids and whatever else. And it's actually fun. And it's fun because I know how much it means to her. So it's it's a really good thing. So I would say make sure that openness is there. And you'll just assume that that your spouse is going to hate the fact that you are doing this because he or she might really be into the fact that you're doing something that means as much to you. So mm -hmm. that's one thing. Um, second of all, we've only really focused right now on like intramarital relations and how do you make sure all that, you don't rock the boat too much. Um, as far as like practical tips or systems to do things with, especially with kids, um, don't rule out the idea of running when it's dark out before people are up or, at, or after they're in bed. Like I think as runners, I, as a runner, I always kind of assume like that's not running hours. You just can't do that. You got to find a way to work it in uh, otherwise. But there are a lot of people who do that and make it work. And if you have a, a setup where it's safe to do that, um, you know, like like your neighborhood is a nice little safe loop or you've got a place you can go where you feel comfortable doing that. You're not going to get hit by cars and all that. 
then you can take your headlamp out and your running hours could be could be eight to nine right after the kids go to bed, if that's when your kids go to bed. Um, I don't know. There are, there are ways to get that kind of stuff in, and there's all kind of resources out there now about like pre-dawn running and all that that 5 a.m. miracle stuff. Uh, so <laughs> look for that. Uh, and don't forget involving the kids. I don't know how old your kids are, Jennifer, but uh, our son is seven now. And like for a long time, I assumed he would just hate running because I hated running when I was a kid. But he loves it. And he loves coming on hill workouts and doing all that stuff. And I just can't believe it. But he he can keep up. He can keep up with a grown-up on a hill workout because there's there's rest periods and, and the grown-up might get a little ahead. But then in the rest, he can catch up. Uh, also, I did a fair amount of running a few years back on flat trails when he was just learning to ride his bike and like the best thing he the best afternoon he could imagine would be i'd go out to run five miles and he'd get to ride his bike for 45 minutes on this flat path in front of me you know he'd be 20 yards ahead of me and sometimes he'd get further ahead and i'd have to call him back and all that but like it was perfect it was great for both of us so there are ways to include kids and and just you know get them to do stuff uh, i've done things like running around a track while the kids play in the middle of it that's worked as well so there you know there are ways you can you can work this all it doesn't have to be your spouse watches the kids while you do this um also most gyms have have some sort of daycare where um like while you're at the gym while you're working out so uh you know it's maybe you don't love running on the treadmill or riding the pull up you know the bike or anything like that but that's a good way to if if you have to do it and you have to be uh with the kids then that's a good way to kind of to do that i think Mm -hmm. And there are jogging strollers, which again, like it's kind of a sacrifice. It's often most people that I know don't get the same quality of run out of that jogging stroller. But if if you just use it on certain days, like a hill workout day, it can actually kind of enhance that workout, perhaps. And it's not it's not my favorite way to run, but like you can you can make it work. Um, so hopefully that's enough. Kind of a lot of ideas there. Okay, so Cynthia says, uh, how frequently should one change up a weight training program? And then her other question says, is it beneficial to do that? So muscle confusion is not a thing, first of all. Your muscles don't get confused, and they don't have brains. They don't have memories. So you don't need to confuse your muscles. Um, but I think – I don't know what – I think when I've done programs before, it's been – I think it's been every eight weeks or so, maybe every four weeks, they will significantly change the program up. Um, so that it, it might be kind of hitting the same basic muscle groups, but just doing it in a different way. And all you're doing is that, I mean, you assume that in, in four or five weeks, you've started to, you've kind of gotten the, the low hanging fruit. You've made the gains that can happen with those particular muscle fibers. And now if you switch it up, you'll get something else. So depending on like, if you're trying to bulk up, then obviously that's important because you want to bulk up every bit of that muscle you can, every part of it. Um, if, if you're just doing it to kind of be toned or, or, you know, be strong, probably that's not quite as important. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just like rest weeks, I would say, I would say change something up every, every four weeks or so. And that's probably a good thing, but I don't know. Doug, do you have anything, anything to add to that one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I would mix it up only mostly for the sake of just getting variety and making sure that you're not. Um, you know, especially with weight training, you're often targeting very specific muscles, um, and, you know, adding some variety to make sure that you're hitting a range of muscles within, you know, a certain area of the body, uh, is, is going to be beneficial. So mixing it up every four to eight weeks, something like that. But, um, 
I don't know. No. I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to do it every week or anything like that. Right. But, and also the changing it up, maybe even more with rate weights than, than the rest week does with running. Uh, it just introduces some new interest. Cause I don't know that weight training can just be so monotonous to me when it's the same routine and you've done it six times in a row. It starts to feel like, you know, you know what you're doing and it's not that challenging, even if you've increased the weight. Um, and then you switch it up and it's, it's exciting again. So that, that mental thing is, is a good, a nice benefit of changing it up. And of course we didn't really mention this, but I, I do think you should change it up within a week. Like you don't want to be doing the same workout every day, mm. uh, especially not two days in a row if it's at all heavy weights. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are, there are programs I've seen where you do the exact same full body workout two to three times per week. And they're from, they're from decent sources. I mean, I, I don't think that is a totally ridiculous idea, but uh, I, I tend to more often see the, the three different types of workouts in a week. And then you kind of repeat that, that thing for four weeks before you would switch it up. So uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what I know about weight training. Actually, I know what that's That's all I know about that specific question. Um, okay, we have we have no more live questions right now, and that's good because it's nine o'clock. Uh, let's take the final pre-submitted one we have, and if anyone's still got one in the live room, they can they can put that in real quick. All right, this one is from Cynthia, also called Sid in in parentheses C Y D, like that. Sid, El Sid. Uh, your question says, your new recipe book is terrific. Hey, there we go. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> to sit here. Uh, much of what you discuss in it regarding nutrition specifically mentions X or Y is great for endurance athletes, but what if you're doing strength, tra strength, mm, strength training and not focusing so much on endurance? Do the nutritional needs change? Thanks for everything. Um, so that's a good question, and without a doubt, they do change when you are at the highest levels of those things and when you're trying to get that extra 3% boost in performance or, you know, results in, in when it comes to weight training. Um, so yeah, I mean, depending on who you ask, the philosophies will change. Um, when I think about it, I mean, my, my assumption, and this isn't necessarily correct. There, like I said, there are a lot of philosophies, uh, but I think of a very high carbohydrate diet, for endurance athletes. And of course there's the whole keto thing, which is not that at all. It's a high fat diet. But when I think of high carbohydrate as the endurance athlete diet, uh, I'm thinking like 65% of your calories coming from carbohydrate and 12 to 15% for protein and the rest, which I guess is like 23-ish percent fat, if I'm doing that right. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, but I feel like when I'm talking about weight training, I would like for me personally, if I want to put on muscle, I need to eat more fat than that. So I shift that percentage more towards fat. Uh, just fine. And, and the reason that is probably is because I also try to increase the amount of calories I'm consuming if I'm trying to put on weight. And when I'm increasing the amount of calories I'm consuming, the easy way to do that is to eat a higher proportion of fat because fat has more calories per gram than carbohydrate does. So I hope that is clear. Um, as far as protein goes, you know, I think most strength training people, because it's just such a part of the fabric of that whole culture, would say you need more protein for strength training. You need to rebuild those muscles with protein. I don't really know how true that is. I think you should ask a vegan bodybuilder type uh, and or, you know, check out research, see, see what the general thought is there. I know for a while, like Robert Cheek's first book is all about protein, but nowadays it's not. Nowadays he's all about whole foods and uh, he's put on, I think he's been more successful 
with as far as putting on lean muscle and as far as his weight that he can get his body up to, uh, he's been more successful on that, which he mentioned in our podcast episode. I think we did an episode back in like September or October of 2016. If you look for the most recent Robert Cheek interview on, on No Meat Athlete Radio, uh, you will find it. But he talks there about how he's he's gone to this whole foods thing. And when you eat whole plant-based foods, if you're not making special effort to get protein, you're you're probably not getting more than 15% protein. So he's a really good example um, of someone who has, has gotten a lot of results without any major focus on protein. So, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, I think the people, the people who are really, really into those things and, and are going to tell you like, this is how you absolutely maximize performance. They're probably going to give you some specific diet that is going to be different depending on which of those two sports it is. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just not sure. I think if you just eat good, eat well, I should say, eat good whole foods. Um, in that in that high carbohydrate range, that sixty five percent carbohydrate range, maybe even getting higher if you want. I think you're gonna have good results with with whatever you're doing. Sorry about that. That actually is my mom. Um, <laughs> you should answer it. <laughs> it's a text about a tornado tornado warning that we were having in Nashville, which she considers it her responsibility to warn me when we have t- tornadoes coming. Even if miles away, I'm thirty six, but what are you gonna do? So I don't know. Don't give anything to add about uh, nutritional needs. By the way, Robert's book, um, Shred It. He's got a new one coming out at the end of this year, I think is the goal. Uh, but his most recent book, Shred It, by Robert Cheek, is a very good one. Uh, just has some really, really good stuff in there for someone who wants to eat a whole food plant-based diet without too, mom, without too much, uh, without too much processed stuff. Um, it's just, it's just a good book for that. So I would highly recommend that one. And by the way, he's going to be Coming here, he's going to be coming to the Asheville Vegan Fest, doing a book signing with me and co-author Stephanie of the No Meat Athlete Cookbook, uh, and staying here for a couple of days with me. So we're going to do a podcast live and in person. Doug, you are welcome to be a part of that if you like. Um, so I will ask him that question if I remember to do it and see what he says. Because he himself has done some good endurance stuff in his day. He's, he's set some sort of 20-mile course record somewhere. Um, so anyway, that's what I think. I think for most people, it doesn't matter. If you eat a whole food diet – uh, you're going to do pretty well with either of those sports compared to eating a bunch of processed junk. And if you're eating plant-based, that diet's going to be somewhere around 65% carbohydrate, likely. And I think that's going to work pretty well for either one of those things. More calories. I'd eat more calories if you're trying to put on muscle and eat less calories if you're trying to lose weight. Doug, I like it. Add? Sounds good. Nothing to add. That sounds okay. good. Okay. Um, so that's it. No more, no more questions. Okay, good. All right, then pretty good timing, Doug. We wrapped up nine of six. Yeah, thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, thank you. These things are, like I said, they've been they've been very active. A lot of people asking questions and filling the time so that we don't have to, which is nice because you wouldn't want us filling the time. We that's what we do on the podcast every day is just <laughs> find a way to fill forty minutes. Uh, that's not true true. (laughs) I'm just kidding alright anyway thank you for coming everyone thank you for participating very much fun and uh, yeah this will talk to you in in two weeks alright alright bye bye you know Doug we are going to fill a minute or two while I wait before I hit the end button because sometimes when I hit this end button right after we wrap up people say it cuts off early Uh, people are thanking us so they know we're uh wrapping up here yeah that's true well we'll just we'll give the nice people 
a little bit of filler for a little bit. <laughs> we need this is like this is when that bell will chime and says, "Okay, now you can you can safely tune out of Nomad Athlete Radio. We're gonna just fool around and talk about nothing for the next twenty minutes." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's another thing that we haven't published yet. But if you are a Nomad Athlete Radio listener, you'll hear that one. We have uh, lots tomorrow. of ideas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> five a.m. It's gonna be live at five a.m. Better go. Wow, you can be the first to download it. All right, I think that's probably enough uh, enough gap of, of filler ending time. Nancy says she loves the Q and A's and the emails. Hey, there we go. Doug. We got a we got a response about oh good. You know, hey, Beth says good call on waiting. So now we have a new new best practice for this. Ah, oh. let's fill some time at the end. Which, like I said, we can we can do pretty well. <laughs> you can. Because like <laughs> every week it's like, what are we going to possibly talk about this week? And then we say, well, let's just let's just ramble, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to tell anybody that, man. Like, it's the dark secret. It's a secret. Yeah. Transparency. Yeah. I'm all about transparency. Okay. I Gotta guess. Be real. Keeping it real. All right. Thanks for showing up, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.